Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, Anthony on our podcast, back for another episode. We're calling this Two Minute Tuesday. We're going to discuss day two of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Jane's testimony will be our primary focus today. And then we're also going to touch on Chris Cuomo, who was suspended indefinitely by CNN. Um, as I promised, we're going to do every single day of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. So on our Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, we'll do our normal show. Tuesdays, we'll do a two-minute Tuesday, even though this will last longer than two minutes. We'll do three-minute Thursdays just to keep you guys updated on the day's events of what happened in the uh, trial. Uh, it was an interesting day, too, for sure. The testimony of Larry Vizoski continued uh, we started this in day one. And again, if you missed day one, we'll put a link in the description of this episode on YouTube and Facebook. And of course, if you're listening via podcast, you can catch up at anthonyonair.com. But we'll be covering every single day. So make sure you guys are subscribed. Make sure you have that bell notification on YouTube so you know when we go live with the latest report of the day's happening. So uh, Epstein's former pilot, Larry Vizoski, he was back on the stand today to start the day. We ended day one with him, as I said. Uh, he spoke more this morning in court about uh, what he had seen as uh, the pilot for Jeffrey Epstein. He repeatedly stated in his testimony, I found this to be pretty interesting, that he couldn't really see what passengers were doing while he was flying. He said that he never saw any sort of sexual activity on the planes. When asked if all the women... Uh, passengers over the years appeared to be adults. He responded, quote, oh, absolutely, end quote. He did, however, recall Jane, who traveled on the uh, Epstein flight for years as a teenager. He described her as a, quote, mature woman with some piercing powder blue eyes, end quote. Uh, Jane, obviously, in court, will we'll focus a lot on her, but one last thing we want to get to um, before that is the end of this Vizovsky tri uh, testimony. Uh, but what I found interesting was he, he said that they all appeared to be adults, yet he acknowledged that uh, Jane, who was underage, was um, on the flights for years. So a little bit of a contradiction in his own testimony uh, from Lawrence Vizovsky this morning. He was asked by... Um, uh, question about Maxwell uh, attorney, question by Maxwell attorney, excuse me, Christian Everdell. Uh, during cross-examination, Vizovsky was able to remember some of the powerful figures who flew on Epstein's jets. If you've been uh, listening or watching the podcast for a while, uh, most of these names are not going to surprise you. Um, John Glenn, astronaut John Glenn, George Mitchell, Donald Trump, Kevin Spacey, Chris Tucker, Prince Andrew, and of course, Bill Clinton. Uh, it was a lot of names. Uh, they also pointed out that Visovsky signed a non-disclosure agreement when he became Epstein's pilot. Um, even after this early stage of the trial, it's clear that Epstein is going to be a big part of this case. Uh, Jane uh, testified about Epstein and Maxwell uh, when she took the stand. Uh, 
she spoke about the fact that uh, Epstein and Maxwell often bragged, especially about Donald Trump or Bill Clinton. When they would call and Jane was around, they would, uh, Epstein and Maxwell would often put them on speakerphone. Epstein mentioned these connections uh, before allegedly sexually abusing Jane, uh, who remembers him saying, I know all the agents, all the photographers, and the owner of Victoria's Secret. Before ending her direct examination of Jane, Assistant U.S. District Attorney Allison Moe took some steps to address what already appeared to be a central component of the trial. Uh, at most prompting, Jane testified that the compensation fund for the Epstein victims awarded her $5 million, of which following litigation fees, she received $2.9 million. Moe asked if Jane's understanding the jury's verdict in the trial will affect her compensation and whether she has any financial stake in the trial. Her response there was no and no. Uh, Jane is, uh, interestingly enough, testifying anonymously. So for a lot of the people that are angry or outraged, upset as to why this isn't on television, this case, um, this would be indeed one of, not the main, but one of the reasons why uh, a case like this uh, wouldn't be televised. Now, obviously, you, we've seen uh, cases in the past that were televised and the witnesses aren't uh, shown. Obviously, that's a possibility, but that's not the, the course of action uh, that Judge Nathan chose to take in this particular case. But when uh, Jane took the stand right after Larry's uh, testimony, uh, she instructed the courtroom sketch artists not to depict uh, Jane too closely. Um, so you will see some sketches of Jane. They're out there if you search for them. Uh, but everything is a sort of nondescript depiction of, uh, Jane, who is now 40, by the way. Uh, but, uh, during her primary time with Epstein and Maxwell, she was 14, 15 and 16 years old. Uh, she also instructed reporters that were in the courtroom not to ID uh, to respect the journalistic ethics and not to ID people who say they are survivors of sexual assault. Um, so uh, that is so her identity is being held uh, in the highest regard, which is uh, uh, you know a good thing. Um, they asked her why uh, she was uh, Jane. That is, they asked her why she is testifying anonymously. And her response was, because there is still victim shaming even till this day, which, I mean, you can't disagree with. Uh, you know, she's not telling a lie there. You put yourself out there. You know, uh, look, if this is me and I have an option of putting myself out there or not putting myself out there, I'm not putting myself out there. I mean, I don't know a lot of people who would choose to put themselves out there. That's a tough, that's a tough role to take on, you know. Um. So let's start with Jane's uh, testimony. Uh, she was asked. Um, if she was sexually assaulted by Epstein, her response was more than once when she was 14 years old. She was asked who was most frequently in the room when Jeffrey Epstein assaulted her. Her response was Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, into the evidence was submitted under seal, by the way, a photograph 
of her at the age of 13. So again, it's allowed to be evidence. It will remain under seal. It will not be released. Jane testified that her father's death from leukemia and her family's difficult economic situation uh, is what led her to meeting Epstein and Maxwell in the first place. She was talking about her studies at the Interlochen Academy, uh, which is this renowned art school in Michigan, of which Epstein was uh, a donor of. Epstein's pilot also talked about the camp in the morning session. Um, Jane was describing the first meeting between Maxwell and Epstein and her for the first time. She said that she thought uh, uh, Max, uh, Maxwell and Epstein seemed very friendly. She says, quote, I thought they were a married couple. They seemed very inquisitive. She asked how she would uh, wind up at Jeffrey Epstein's house. She said that Epstein would often send his chauffeur for her. They asked her if she had a driver's license at the time, which I thought was a strange question. When she said she was 14, 13, 14, 15, uh, she said no. She recalls visiting Epstein's pool and seeing at least four women and Ghislaine and remember them being topless. She even said that some of the women were completely naked. She recalls Maxwell giving her some dating advice at one point. I mean, this is inappropriate. Like, for you know, like we haven't even gotten to the worst parts of it all yet. And even this is inappropriate to have a middle aged woman talk to a 14 year old like this. She told Jane once this is Ghislaine Maxwell talking to Jane, quote, once you fuck them, you can always fuck them again because they've been grandfathered in. Jane recalls laughing because she didn't understand the word grandfathered. She didn't know what that meant at the time. Um, Jane gave some examples of famous people that they boasted about Donald Trump, Bill Clinton. As I said, she even mentioned uh, Mike Wallace, which I feel like I we've talked about once before on the podcast, uh, but I don't remember Mike Wallace being a prominent name uh, in all our past discussions. But she did name check Mike Wallace this morning. She was 14 years old when she had her first contact with Epstein sexually. Um, prosecutors asked her to describe to the jury what happened. She was taken inside the pool house at his uh, Palm Beach home. She said he pulled his sweatpants down, pulled her on top of him, and proceeded to masturbate on, t on her, and then he left. She says, quote, I was frozen with fear. I had never seen a penis before. Another instance, she says that Epstein and Maxwell started to fondle each other and casually gigging about it, giggling about it in front of her. Jane says she was 14 at the time. Uh, she was asked how Epstein liked to be massaged, and she said that he liked to be massaged, quote, hard, uh, quote, twisting his nipples hard, rubbing his feet hard. Jane says that there were all these mixed emotions going through her when she was 14. She explained that you don't really know what's going on. She said he would touch my breasts, he would touch my vagina. Uh, they asked her if she, if she touched Epstein's body. She replied, yes. They asked her where. She replied, everywhere. Prosecutors apologized for having to ask the question, but asked about Epstein and sexual toys. Jane said, quote, he liked to use vibrators, which were of different sizes. He liked to use back massagers, which were very painful. He would put it on my vagina, even if I said it hurt. Jane says that other people were sometimes present during the abuse. 
she would start taking her clothes off and Jeffrey would get on the massage table and it would turn into this orgy. That seems to be the big headline uh, today as I perused a lot of the articles that were being written um, and a lot of the, uh, the stories that were unfolding from the day's events. This, this line, uh, you know, he would get on a massage table and it would turn into this orgy seems to be the big line that everybody is going to. Um, it, it, you know, obviously, look, this is not our regular podcast. This is just an update on Ghislaine uh, and day two of the trial. But this is horrific shit. I mean, this is pretty horrific stuff. You know, I mean, it's disgusting and it's hard to 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 read all these things. You think about this poor, poor girl, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, these are pretty horrific things to go through. And, you know, like as we talked about in the past and as you saw in the Netflix documentary, you know, where some of the victims were speaking, you know, they these people, you know, they preyed on individuals that were, you know, hurting, lost her father, tough economic situations, you know, all these awful, you know, scenarios. It's like a, a sixth sense with some of these, you know, I have to say this alleged predators um, where you just kind of know people who are, you know, more susceptible to these kinds of things. And a little girl who's just lost her father, you know, who's grown up in a tough uh, home, um, you know, that's exactly the kind of person uh, that they're shooting for. More on this, I just have to pause for a moment and thank our good pals over at Jumpstart Coffee Company as you see right there, I'm enjoying myself some dark blend as we speak. Uh, they're the proud sponsors of the podcast. Uh, they keep the show going. They keep the lights on here at the Anthony on Air podcast. So if you appreciate any of the information, you're looking for some great kiss Christmas gifts, some Hanukkah gifts to give out, holiday gifts to the coworkers, your employees, your employers, you know, whatever the case may be. A Jumpstart Coffee Company is going to be perfect for you. You can save 15% off right now with the promo code AOA15 when you order by using the link in the description of this episode or by clicking on the banner on the homepage of anthonyonair.com. 50% of all the proceeds from Jumpstart Coffee Company go to the Navy SEAL Foundation. So not only are you supporting this podcast, but you're also supporting the Navy SEALs who provide us with our freedoms. It's a wonderful American thing to do. Buy some Jumpstart Coffee Company this holiday season. If you order more than $50 worth after you use your promo code AOA15, they're going to throw in free shipping. They'll pick up the shipping for you. That's a nice gesture. And don't forget, if you're looking for a bigger gift, like if you got to spend like under $20 for, you know, Secret Santa or a grab bag or whatever, one or two of these is great. If you're looking for a bigger gift for mom or dad, your brother, Maybe he's serving, you know, National Guard, whatever, veteran in your life. You can get the uh, subscribe and save. That means that they'll send you one or two or however much coffee you go through every single month. And you save by doing that as well. So you could you could spend $100 and get somebody coffee for a year, you know, give or take however much you're using. And uh, you're saving. You're helping the Navy SEALs. You're helping the Anthony on Air podcast. It's a great thing all around. We appreciate your support. If you're supporting Jumpstart Coffee Company, we want to thank those guys. Again, promo code AOA15. Order with the link in the description below or click the uh, banner on the homepage of anthonyonair.com. Uh, back to the testimony here. Jane said that she was also 
Uh, in New York, was also abused in New York. She says, quote, if it wasn't an orgy in the massage room, it was in Jeffrey's bedroom, where she says she would typically be alone with him. The abuse also happened when she was 14, 15, and 16. Uh, she was emotional during her testimony. She said, quote, I felt my heart sinking into my stomach. Asked why. As her voice cracked, she said, because I didn't want to see him. At this point, Judge Nathan decided to take a 10-minute recess. Court adjourned. When they came back, she got a little bit more into her mother and her situation because you're probably thinking at this point, like, how did her mom allow this to happen? Like, where was mom during all this? She said that she didn't tell her mother about any of the sexual abuse because she felt ashamed. She thought it was her fault, and in a household where she was raised, you didn't speak unless spoken to. She said, quote, I was afraid that I would be in trouble if I said something. Um, Assistant U.S. Attorney Allison Moe asked her if she considered self-harm. She replied, yes. Her voice cracked as she described things seeming hopeless. She did at one point speak to a school guidance counselor about her sadness, but she didn't admit any of the abuse. She said her mother slapped her and told her she shouldn't tell anyone about her feelings and what's going on at home. So, you know, again, to paint a little picture for you, you're like, where's mom? Where's the family? What are they doing in all this? Um, you know, her mom slaps her just for being sad. You know, that's a terrible thing. Could you imagine? I mean, you're sitting there like, why, you know, you go to your mom, go to, you know, go to your family, speak to somebody about him. Well, here she is. She's just depressed and her mom's, you know, slapping her. It's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to go through. I mean, it's a, you know, look, it's a tough situation all around. You know, you, you know, you lose the father of the family. Mom loses the husband. Leukemia is a shitty, tough thing to go through for anybody. I think we all know somebody who's, you know, been impacted by a cancer of some form or another. Uh, tough thing. Um, and, you know, you add on top of that, that here are these rich and powerful people paying attention to you. Her mom, as Jane testifies, thought it was a good thing. You know, thought it made her special. Like, look, my daughter must be good. She's getting all, you know, she's getting all this treatment. You know, initially there was movies. There was, you know, popcorn. You know, it's all these like nice things as they're luring this poor little girl in. You know, as a parent, you know, there, there's something to that. I mean, I, I can, you know, I certainly can uh, attest to that. Like, I'm surprised. I'm a parent of a six-year-old and a four-year-old, so I'm, still new to the game but i'm surprised like how uh wonderful i feel when a teacher you know in my kid's school goes oh your son did good today or your daughter did great today like like yes i'm pr like people are like oh yeah i'm proud of her. like that feeling that you get is like unbelievable so i just put myself in this situation where you're this mother they're working hard they themselves by the way lived in a pool house so not a lot you know obviously tough economic situation you lose your husband and all of a sudden, you know, these people are showing interest in your daughter. I'm not justifying her. I'm not defending the mom. But I understand that feeling of having a total stranger suddenly give your child a compliment. It makes you feel good. I mean, it does. It's just being honest. You know, no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't allow this to happen. I wouldn't allow my kid to go somewhere, you know, be alone in a room with people, you know. But like, I, you know, like I said, like even you know, coaching my son in flag football and the other coaches like, Oh, your son did good today. It's like, it, it makes it's I, 
surprised sometimes about how good the feeling is. Um, so again, not defending the mother here, but I could certainly understand the dynamic of emotions and how, you know, they could be manipulated and taken advantage of. I can certainly see that for sure. Um, about the attention, Jane said that she initially felt very special. She didn't have much support or attention at home. Uh, asked about the long-term impacts of her experience with Epstein and Maxwell. Jane uh, asks, how do you navigate healthy relationships with a broken compass? I didn't know what real love was supposed to look like. It ruined my self-esteem. It ruined my self-worth. Um, they asked her why she was testifying anonymously. As I alluded to earlier, she said victim shaming is still present until this day. Cross-examination began. The first question basically was, why did you wait 20 years to report this, uh, these happenings to law enforcement. Uh, the defense attorney asked a series of questions about where Jane lived and where she went to school. Uh, the illusion the, she was alluding to, uh, the fact that they were trying to undercut her testimony about her family's financial struggles when she said she met Maxwell and Epstein. Uh, just as the cross-examination began, time was basically up on the day and court was adjourned. So... Uh, much like with uh, Larry Vizovsky yesterday, they just started getting into his testimony and they had to stop for the day. Uh, same thing here. Larry in the morning, Jane primarily through the rest of the day uh, with the prosecution. Defense gets the chance at it. And then as they get started, um, court adjourns for the day. So um, it seems like, why did you wait so long? You know, were, were you really in di uh, financial dire straits? And, uh, you know, they're going to go through all of these, uh, all these sort of things. I also noticed something in Jane's testimony when they asked her basically how many times uh, did these um, uh, abuses occur? She said, I don't remember. Um, which I felt like, you know, obviously I'm not shaming her here. That's an honest answer, but that's a tough answer if you're the prosecution. Uh, not that you could possibly remember something that happened to you multiple times over three years, uh, but I'm sure that these defense attorneys are going to climb all over that and harp on the fact that she can't remember. You know, they'll probably wind up saying to her tomorrow, you testified yesterday that you couldn't remember how many times this happened. Is that true? You know, you can you put a number on it? Can you put a ballpark on it? You know, I don't know if they'll ask her for a ballpark, but I'm just saying they're going to harp on the fact of, oh, well, you don't remember this. And they're going to ask her other questions. Were you in New York? How many times were you in New York? I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember how many times? You know, so they're going to do all these things to undercut her and take this seriousness out because don't forget as we spoke about pre-trial, they were talking about bringing in that expert and having them testify about false memory. You know, you think you remember something a certain way, but it didn't really happen that way. You know, so that's coming down the line and everybody knows it. Maybe the jury doesn't know it, but everybody else kind of knows it. So they're all going to be setting up some of these uh, victims for that moment, you know, and they're going to be bringing back some of that testimony. When that expert takes a stand, they're going to be in there going, uh, Jane testified to not remembering. Is this all part of false memory? Yes, it is. You know, so on and so forth. Um, so that's basically uh, day two of the uh, trial there. So um, feels like everybody got something of what they wanted, where uh, the names of Clinton and Trump and 
You know, all these big names got put out there. That seems to be a big story. Um, and, of course, that salacious headline that we talked about earlier about the fact that uh, every time the guy came into the room and took off his clothes, it sort of turned into an orgy. This is, I mean, it's, you know, it's unfortunate shit. It's sickening shit. I really don't love going through all this stuff, but, um, you know, we, we made a promise that we were going to cover this trial, um, you know, since the get, since we first started talking about this stuff well over a year ago. And we certainly do have a lot of podcasts on the topic. So, you know, we're going to see it all the way through. Like I said, every day we'll have an update for you here on our uh, podcast, whether you're listening via Spotify or, you know, Apple uh, uh, podcast or Google podcast or Stitcher or whatever, or you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you're hitting the thumbs up on the videos. Same thing with Facebook. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following. Make sure you're getting notifications on Facebook. And, of course, hit the thumbs up there. That helps us uh, an extraordinarily uh, amount. It's a big, big help for us all the way around. Um, obviously, like I said, this is going to be the Tuesday. We'll do a quick thing. Thursday, we'll do a quick thing. Just a recap of what happened to the day. We're still going to be doing our regular Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcasts that are a little bigger. We'll, of course, still touch on the day's news with Ghislaine and the trial. And then we'll go through all our normal topics but these Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be left exclusively to Ghislaine, with one exception, uh, which is the fact that CNN suspended Chris Cuomo today indefinitely. We do have to touch on that since we were talking about that last episode. We'll talk about it again a little bit on the Wednesday podcast because, of course, I want to get Frank and, and Janine's opinion on everything. Um, but uh, we discussed how uh, Chris Cuomo interfered, not interfered, but was there to sort of aid and help out his brother. He was trying to get, uh, you know, sources and information on some of the women that were coming forward and, um, you know, basically abusing his journalistic position. Um, you know, sort of, uh, we talked about it yesterday, him being in an ethical uh, soup here. Good soup. Um, and, you know, we said, how is, how is CNN going to respond to this? This was all... New information that came to light, Attorney General Letitia James just released all these text messages between Melissa DeRosa and Chris Cuomo, and it showed that he was trying to get information on these women that were coming forward. He was prepping his brother. He was involved way more than he let CNN on to know, which, if you believe that, I don't know how true that is, but that's what CNN's standpoint is. And so uh, the word just came down that they are going to be uh, suspending him indefinitely, why not just fire him right off the bat? I don't know. Would they attempt to bring him back eventually? I don't know. Uh, would they keep him around and sort of like, a, you know, you pop on every now and then, you lose your show, but you're still a contributor to, this, to the station? I don't know. I don't know what their thoughts are. I'm sure they're just keeping their options open because they have to pay him. He's got a contract, you know. I mean, unless they want to prove that his behavior was harmful which is another lawsuit altogether could they could spend millions fighting that and trying to get out of it and then still have to pay him anyway it might just be cheaper to pay out the rest of his contract whatever it is uh perhaps that where that's where the indefinite suspension comes from and for those of you who don't know like when it comes to entertainment you know uh contracts and deals if i have a a year and a half left on my deal or if i have a year left on my let's say they have a, they have a year left on his deal and he's making Four and a half million dollars a year. 
you know, it's it's you're you're better off suspending him indefinitely, taking him off the air and paying him than firing him, having him file a wrongful termination suit, you know, because then they have to prove all this shit or, you know, have it go to court and lawyers. Like I said, sometimes it's easier to just we'll pay you your money. We'll take you off the air and that's and we'll let this ride out. and We won't renew your contract when it comes up. You know, that could be it. Could be up at the end of the year. Could be up in three months. You know, who knows? Uh, but this feels like a firing. Again, like I said, if they don't come out and fire him, perhaps that's why. Um, and look, he deserves to be fired. Like, you know, this isn't a cancel culture issue. This is a you're just really shitty at your job issue. And, uh, you know, like what I said, and again, I've been doing this for years. And I've, you know, I know what it's like to go out there and earn the respect of an audience to have them follow you to have them you know buy your sponsors products and you know purchase your merchandise and all this stuff you know you don't take that for granted you appreciate all of that you know i appreciate every time somebody buys from jumpstart coffee company you know we're running our cyber week deal right now you can save 15 percent off promo code twss15 that's what she said TWSS15 promo code. Use it at shopanthonyonair.com. You save 15% on all our merch. Uh, I appreciate everybody that buys, you know, a shirt or a mug, you know, or uh, whatever. Um, and I wouldn't take that for granted. And in this particular instance, you know, Cuomo put his brother in front of his audience. He wouldn't report on anything that was happening with his brother. He said it was too close. That's bullshit. You got a job to do. You pick up the phone, you call your brother, you say, I'm sorry I got to do this, but this is my job. This is my gig. I'm going to report on this like, like normal. I won't write the stories. I'll just read them. Whatever you got to, whatever you, I, yeah, I get you. Okay, you don't want to do that or whatever. But you're, you're basically, you know, primetime spot in one of the big cable networks and you're saying, oh, this huge story we're just not going to talk about because I'm related to the person. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. And then behind the, and then you get your, your network to agree to that, which is insane to me. I mean, I, I've held a lot of radio jobs. If I went in there and said, oh, I'm not going to talk about this major thing uh, because of my personal feelings on it, they would have fucking laughed me out of the room. But then while you're doing that, you, you're behind, you're going behind the back, you're calling your sources, you're trying to get information on the victims so that you can shame them and embarrass them. And put and put information out about them to kind of help your brother through who was doing these allegedly doing these terrible, awful things. You're a shitty fucking human being. You might think I'm being a good brother and that may be, but you're a shitty fucking human being. And on top of that, you're a shitty host. And if there's one thing I know about, it's being a host. And like I said, maintaining a relationship with an audience. And this guy was just fucking abusing his audience. There's no excuse for that. There is no excuse for that. You do your fucking job. I don't care who it is. Your brother, your father, your mother. You know what? They shouldn't have done their shitty stuff to put you in that position in the first place. You go in there, you do your job every day. That's a shitty thing. to. It's a bad position to be in. Bad. But you got that audience. They're there with you every night. They sit through the commercials. They, they you know, patronize your sponsors. They buy your shit. They buy your fucking books when they, you come out with them. They watch you on other shows. They're loyal to you, and that's how you repay them. That's shitty, man. That's pretty shitty. 
By the way, everybody at CNN has turned on this fucking guy. Like everybody. Every single one of them. Um, the New York Post had some quotes anonymously from some CNN staffers. One said, how does he still have his job at the network? He's not a journalist. Another person at CNN said, Cuomo primetime has the lowest ratings to date. The viewers no longer trust him. His reign at CNN has to end. Exactly. Why would you trust him? If you're a loyal fan of CNN, which if you are, you should, you know, reevaluate some shit. I mean, uh, how anybody's watching CNN, Fox, MSNBC, or Newsmax is beyond me. They're all dog shit these days. They're just awful dog shit. Um, but how could you trust anything the guy fucking says? He put he put your your values, your views. He's supposed to inform you. He put that on the back burner for his brother. How, why would you go back to that? Which is why you don't do it in the first place. I've been screaming about this from day one. Even people on the podcast gave me a hard time about it. But this is why you don't do it. You fucking lose the room. It's done. You're over. Another CNN staffer said Chris Cuomo enabled a sexual predator, the former governor of New York. He needs to immediately resign or CNN must fire him. Does Chris Cuomo have any journalistic integrity? No. Uh, Elisa Batista, um, one of the women's rights group Ultra, a member of the women's rights group Ultra Violet, said Cuomo should be fired immediately for using his position at CNN to seek information on the accusers. This is a severe breach of journalistic ethics. CNN should immediately sever ties with Cuomo. Anything less is unacceptable and further harms survivors of sexual abuse. Yeah, I think firing him would have been a stronger statement. But again, if I had to guess, knowing what I know about the entertainment industry, you know, contracts and everything like that it's probably cheaper for them to suspend him indefinitely and just let it all go away uh which opens up another big possibility in question which is who fills that nine o'clock role i think he's on at nine is it eight or nine i don't, I don't even know what time i think it's i think it's nine because i think don lemon's on at 10 is wolf still on at eight i don't even i don't even know um but that's a big role that's a big time slot at cnn so i'm sure there's going to be a ton of people uh, jockeying for a position there on uh, who gets that uh, Chris Cuomo time slot. So uh, we'll see. Of course, like I said, we'll we'll probably pick up on this a little bit more tomorrow. We'll update you on day three of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial and the finishing of uh, the testimony from uh, Jane. Uh, so uh, come back for that. And of course, uh, you know, a lot of people, I see all the complaints out there. Who's covering Glenn Maxwell? Who's covering Glenn Maxwell? We're covering Glenn Maxwell, you know, so don't just, you know, tweet who's covering Glenn Maxwell. Tweet the podcast, share it with your friends and family. You know, let them know what's going on. We're here every day uh, recapping the day's events of what happens during the trial. So make sure you uh, pop up here and, uh, you know, Spread the word a little bit about what's going on in the Anthony on Air podcast. Let people know. You're worried about who's covering the case? They're all pal ants covering the case. Uh, and again, grab some Jumpstart Coffee Company. Helps us put on the podcast every single day. Also, grab some merch from the shopanthonyonair.com store. As you can see here, we got a lot of fun products from the podcast. Our silhouette shirt, our microphone sweatshirt, our legalized comedy t-shirt. We got the steel tumbler right there. Our new black mugs. Just hit the store. We brought back the That's What She Said products. Um, and they're all 15% off right now when you use the promo code TWSS15. That's TWSS15. 
say 15% off right now. Promo code TWSS15 at shopanthonyonair.com. Appreciate you guys for sticking around. I miss Jay Sabs and Frank too. They'll be back on the regular Wednesday schedule. We'll catch you guys then.